She lectures internationally and has authored a substantial number of books on graphic design-related subjects, her best-known mix being design and politics. Her most recent book is called Visual Impact. Here, she will give a speed lecture with 10 reflections on political graphics. Liz McQuiston. I'm very, very glad to be here, and I'm going to start with a little bit of a joke. This is me and one of my books, but I don't really want you to look at the book, and I don't even want you to look at me. I want you to look at what's behind me. The stacks of paper, the posters, the books up to the ceiling, the mess, the carnage. But is this mess that has actually allowed me to create these. Over the past 30 years, I've produced a number of books that chronicle the graphic history of activism and dissent. So when I was invited to speak at this festival, I welcomed the opportunity to reflect on that body of work so far. This is a personal journey, but perhaps my reflections will give you a few things to think about as you are going around the exhibitions. So this is going to be 10 reflections on political graphics, one image per reflection, although I do cheat at one point along the way. Reflection number one, the power of language the power of slogans, particularly slogans. I marvel at their longevity and their rhythm. They have the ability to freeze time and to encapsulate a whole movement. Make love, not war, 1960s, protesting against the war in Vietnam. Your body is a battleground, Barbara Barbara Kruger's slogan of 1989, a call for birth control and abortion rights for women. And we'll see that poster a little bit later on. Je suis Charlie, 2015, a cry of solidarity, defiance, and the right for freedom of speech. It echoed through marches around the world through Twitter and other social media after the terrorist attack on the Paris offices of the comics magazine, Charlie Hebdo, which left 12 dead and others injured, including the editor, writers, and cartoonists. So sad, so memorable. The graphic emblem was designed by Joachim Rossan, working in Paris at the time. Reflection number two, the power of humor. And I'm sure you'll see that some of these reflections overlap on each other. Humor has always been used to great and vicious effect by the feminist movement over the years. This is Jill Posner's photograph, dated 1979, of a London billboard, taken when women were particularly angry about sexist advertising and would graffiti on hoardings in London and then run away laughing. 
Sometimes they were done by groups who called themselves, in quotes, angry women. Sometimes you never knew who did them. They were anonymous, but they were always wicked. Reflection number three. Our desire to poke fun at politicians is due to the ongoing use of caricature and satire. Actually, we like to poke fun at any figures of authority, and that actually goes far back in history. Think 16th century, Martin Luther and the Reformation, and artists such as Lucas Cranach, who depicted the Pope as a donkey or an ass. And we're still doing it. Poking fun, I mean. This is British Prime Minister Tony Blair, depicted by advertising agency Karmarama. It was one of the most popular posters carried in the February 2003 march through London, when over a million people protested against Britain's entry into the, the war in Iraq. And here comes where I cheat. Whoops. I couldn't help sneaking in an extra, more recent one, poking fun at Guess Who? Created by artist Mitch O'Connell during the last US presidential election in 2016. This actually is my t-shirt, but if you want one like it, just go to Mitch's website, make him a happy man, buy one. Reflection number four. How technology endures, particularly low-tech. Silk screening, sometimes called screen printing now, seems to go on forever and is still in popular use today because of its mobility. You can do it in your garage, you can do it in your basement, and also because it can't be tracked, unlike computers. Possibly the most influential, radical examples of silkscreen posters from the past were produced by the Atelier Populaire during the May 1968 riots in Paris. This is only one of many. It says, free information, as in liberate information. I am stunned by how powerful these posters still are. I am also stunned by how many of them still seem relevant, including this one, particularly as we are now in the age of post-truth and fake news. Reflection number five how technology doesn't endure. Each of my books was written with different technology or software. One of the earliest, Women in Design, 1988, was written on an Olivetti electric typewriter with Tipex or white paint to correct the mistakes. And the images were analog photos or slides. The next book involved a very noisy Amstrad personal computer and a bit of coding. 
and it used 13 and a half centimeter square disks. It was like loading a dinner plate into your computer. Then I graduated to a computer that used floppy disks. Then zip disks and a zip drive. Does anyone even remember zip disks? Then memory sticks came in, then the cloud, and along the way, images became digitized and had to be high res on an ever-increasing scale. One has to move forward. One can never go backwards. And none of these technologies are particularly stable over time. A bit of a worry, that. So original posters or graphics are the best, which is why I am doomed to living in a studio or a living room with stacks of paper. We don't want to lose our visual history. Reflection number six, taking it to the street, the rise of street art for protest. It's fantastic how social and political art and graphics have moved into the environment in the last few decades, from simple graffiti or fly posting to extraordinary murals and performances. The French artist, J.R., is one of my favorites. Here's a J.R. project in 2008, which took place in one of Rio's dangerous favelas. His photographs of the eyes of the women living there were used to symbolize their courage and dignity, and they certainly do. Other favorites of mine, the group Voina from the Russian Federation, Banksy from London, and the murals in Cairo, Egypt, as part of the so-called Arab Spring in 2011 which unfortunately didn't end very happily. Reflection number seven. Every decade, people are fond of saying, the poster is dead. But is the poster dead? Not at all. In addition to more traditional appearances on hoardings, etc. It's been whizzing around the world online in an electronic version and has found a new home for itself in online image banks, ready for downloading by activists for use in demonstrations. This became popular during the 2011 Occupy movement. This poster, which says join the movement, was taken from the anonymous image bank, Voces con Futura, created for the movement Los Indignados, the outraged, for their May 2011 protests in Spain. Another image bank worth noting was the Hurricane Project, which carried posters for sale in order to raise money for the American Red Cross to help them support victims of Hurricane Katrina in 2005. I wonder if there will be one for Irma or even Maria. 
Reflection number eight. Slight mood change here. Are the activists still alive? More than ever before, I look at some of the incredible graphics and art from recent revolutions and conflicts, and I wonder, are the artists still alive? Did they escape to different countries? This applies to Egypt most certainly, but especially to Syrian artists. Beginning with the earlier stages of the conflict, 2011 onwards, much of the work seemed to be posted online and anonymously or under a collective name, possibly created on location, possibly as part of the diaspora. This poster says, I'm going to protest. It's by anonymous poster collective, Al-Shab Al-Sori Arek Tarek, the Syrian people know their way, 2012. Beautiful work was produced at that time, but six years of terrible conflict have taken place since then, and their work remains a powerful memorial to the events. But every time I look at it now, I wonder what happened to the creator. Right, I'm missing, I'm missing a slide, but I'll talk you through it anyway, because it's important. Reflection number nine. What images brought tears to my eyes and still do? Well, of course, many of them do, but one in particular, Silence equals death. The graphic emblem identified with the activist group known as ACT UP. And ACT UP is defined as AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. That was founded in 1987, New York City, and symbolized the beginning of AIDS activism in the USA. Now, I have to describe the poster to you because you can't see it, so bloody hell, I'm gonna do that. Black background with a pink triangle pointing up and the words at the bottom saying, silence equals death in stark white lettering. Now, for those who don't actually understand the symbolism behind the triangle, if you actually have a triangle, a pink triangle pointing downwards, it harks back to the badge that gay men or homosexuals had to wear in the Nazi concentration camps. Act up actually inverted the symbol so that the pink triangle points up as a sign of resistance to new forces of oppression. For at the time, this is late 80s, AIDS was seen as a gay plague in America. The poster 
was actually made for ACT UP by the Silence Equals Death Project, and I believe later on made by Grand Fury, who also produced other post posters, placards for demonstrations, T-shirts, badges and stickers, a whole identity, really. Why is it all so emotional? Because of the courage it took a small group named ACT UP in New York City to demonstrate and challenge and grow and gain an international reach with 150 chapters in almost two dozen countries. Because thousands were dying in America alone. And by the late 80s, it was not thousands, it was tens of thousands. And ACT UP had the courage to take on the government and take action. And if you saw this emblem and the poster, which I have described, which you can't see, you didn't forget it. But it's in the Design for Dissent exhibition. And if anyone wants to look more deeply into this issue, a very good book documenting the events of ACT UP and the AIDS epidemic appeared in 2016 titled How to Survive a Plague by David France. So, I only have one reflection left. So to all the young and the not so young designers in the audience, here's reflection number 10. Don't listen to people who say posters won't change the world or political graphics won't change the world. Yes, they will. They change attitudes, they inspire, and they add ideas to that long story that we call history. So maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe 20 years from now, someone may look at an image you made or a poster you did, and suddenly, they may begin to think differently. And I'm showing Barbara Kruger's incredible poster from 1989 so that we end with a punch. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Liz McQuiston.